listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. All right. Good morning. Good to see everybody. If you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we are coming to uh, the next to last week in our series, The Real Jesus. We've been in the series for quite some time, took a little break in the summer, but basically we've been in this series almost the entire year, it seems like. And uh, if you're just joining us um, today for the very first time, let me just say welcome. It is a delight to have you here. It really is a privilege. We know you could be anywhere this morning, and the fact that you chose to get up early and come and worship with us in a cinema um, uh, means a great deal to us, and our hope is that you will leave here filled with joy. Uh, over who God is and what he has done for you in Christ. And so um, and what we're doing basically in this Real Jesus series is we're just walking verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. It's the only perfect sermon ever preached. It's preached by Jesus. And we're just discovering together who Jesus really is and what he's done for us and how that changes now who we are and how we're called to live. And today we come to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be picking up in verse 7. If you have an ESV Bible, it's on page 812. If you don't have a, a Bible and like a free copy, we have some for you on the welcome table. And you can grab that as you leave. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. This is the real Jesus speaking. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is active and it is living. And what we pray, what we ask at this time, is that you will take very broken people who are easily distracted, who, who come in here anxious, possibly even angry or frustrated with things in life, uh, sad about failed expectations, uh, people who uh, maybe are, are weak in their prayer life. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you will take this text and you will increase our faith, all for our good and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to see a show of hands. How many of you have ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Raise your hand. Wow. Chuck E. Cheese is, uh, yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it really is. Um, and I'm not just talking about the pizza. I'm talking about the fact that you are locked in this room with a bunch of sneezy, drooling, coughing kids. Uh, what's that? No, there is not enough Germex in the world to cover Chuck E. Cheese. Um, and so I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese. I think when I was like four or five or six or something like that, but, but never been with my kids. And uh, up until a few weeks ago, my, my mom calls and says, hey, I would like to take you and Megan and the kids to Chuck E. Cheese. And I was like, all right, so we'll do that. And so literally, BJ, the whole time I'm on the way down there, I'm like preaching the gospel to myself, like trying to spiritually, like God is in control. I don't have to be in control. Like, yes, I have, I have issues. Like, okay, if it's your first time, you can pray for me. And so we go to Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm walking around, and I'm trying to make sure, like, 
why it's not trying to put tokens in his mouth and, you know, or, or you know, dropping his passing on the floor and picking it back up without being cleaned off and that sort of thing. And I'm also trying to help my daughter win some, some tickets, right? I mean, if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, you know that five million tickets can get you a $5 bear, right? And so it's like, uh, they're, they're totally winning at Chuck E. Cheese. Like, there's no doubt about it. And so, like, but, you know, she sees some things that she wants. So um, she's just playing these games that basically gives her, like, a ticket or two tickets. I'm like, so I'm going to go around and try to find the machine that gives me the biggest bang for my buck, right? And so I'm walking around, and it's for the kids, of course. And so um, I'm walking around, and, uh, and I find this one machine. Maybe some of you have played it. It's like you put a token in, and it goes down this little ramp, and then there's this wheel that's spinning at the bottom of it, and depending on which part of the wheel it lands on, it depends on how many tickets you get. And so the most amount of tickets you can win with this game is 250. That's a great chunk of, of tickets. And so I'm putting in like token after token. My dad's even putting in some tokens. And eventually, I kid you not, we put in a token, and that sucker, I mean, the 250s, like, the line's, like, that big. I mean, like, the chances of you hitting it so, like, astronomical. But, but we hit it, man. The token lands right on the 250. And me and my dad are pumped. We're, like, high-fiving. Like, we're way more excited than grown men should be. And so um, we're excited. And this ticket, this ticket machine begins to roll. And I'm waiting, like, for this wealth of tickets to just come firing out at me. And I kid you not, um, this machine spits out not even one ticket, it spits out a half a ticket and then gets jammed, all right? So I go and find someone that's working there at Chuck E. Cheese and I pull him in, I'm like, hey man, like we just hit 250 and like, so we won our tickets and he's looking at me like, likely story, like I've heard this before, like and there's no proof and so here's what he says to me, he just looks and says, yeah man, sometimes these machines don't work right and so it's like, sorry about that, like don't work right, like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I, was, I was disappointed. Like, I was like, I hit 250. This machine says if I hit 250, I should get 250 tickets, but I didn't get it. So I was a little frustrated, a little disappointed, because here's a machine that promised so much, right? I did what it asked of me, and yet I got nothing in return. And I started thinking about this this week, and I thought, it's possible there are some of you here this morning, you view prayer, you view God the exact same way. Right? You put in this little coin, you put in this little token, you, know, you throw your prayer up and you read verses where it says that prayer is powerful and God answers prayers and yet you've prayed and you've seen nothing happen. You've never seen God really answer prayers. And so maybe you come in here this morning a little disenchanted, a little disappointed about prayer. Maybe you don't believe in the power of prayer. Maybe even your prayer life is nearly non-existent. And you see the real Jesus today, he wants to change that for you. He wants you to have a powerful prayer life. He wants you to have this intimate relationship with God. And what he wants you to see is that, that prayer, he says here, it, it, when we pray to God, we need to be reminded we're not praying to just some broken machine. We are praying to a father, to, to our father who says, when you come and you ask me for things, I will deliver. I will give you what you need. And I love the illustration that Jesus uses here to, to drive this home. He says, if if evil earthly fathers, and all fathers, right, are, are evil fathers, basically, I mean, we're all sinful is what Jesus is saying, we're born with the sin nature, if even sinful fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids when they ask, he says, how much more does your perfect heavenly father know how to give good gifts, right, uh, what he's saying is, if, if a kid goes up to his dad, think about it, even in a fallen world, and, and a kid comes up and says, dad, I want to fish, the dad's not going to be like, well, here's a scorpion. You know, like, ah! You know, like, like, wow, dad, why did you do that? You know, like, they're not, it's not going to happen. 
right? Even evil, sinful, broken dads know how to give good gifts to their kids. And he says, Jesus says right here, you have a perfect father in heaven. How much more does he know how to bless you with what is good than broken fathers? See, what the real Jesus wants to do in our lives this morning is he wants to change our perception of God. Uh, Maybe some of you before, you've prayed and you've asked God for something, but you've got nothing back, and you're starting to wonder, does God really care? Does he really care? I I, I mean, can he really do anything about the issues of my life? I mean, does God really want to bless me and my family? Really? Really? And you just think about even the way you pray, like when you do pray, because of this, your prayers are so weak. You approach God with so much timidity, right? It's like you go to God and you're like, uh, God, like my family's really struggling here financially or we're really struggling this way. It'd be awesome if you would provide. And you almost have this view of God where he's like, oh, you want provision, do you? Well, how about a snake instead, right? Like get back to work, like go do my will and enjoy it. Right? Like you, you view God as this impersonal being who is indifferent to your suffering and indifferent to your daily life. And guys, nothing can be further from the truth. What the real Jesus reminds us of is this wonderful reality that God has spared no expense to bringing you to himself. When you were at your worst, God gave his best. And the fact that he gave up his only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this messy, jacked-up world to rescue and redeem us from sin by living the perfect life you could never live before a holy, righteous God. And then going and dying an excruciating and humiliating death that we all deserve to die for our sins and raising from the dead and conquering sin, death, and hell so that we can go from being God's enemies to being his beloved children. And just think about it, guys. If God gave up his own son, Jesus, for you before you ever did anything for him, why do you think he would try to withhold good from you now? God wants to bless us. He he wants to do what is good for us. That's why Jesus says, look again in verse 7, When you approach God, he says, ask and it will be given. Some of us in here, if we can be honest, are turned off by needy people. We avoid them at Walmart. We hit the shady button when they call. You know what I'm talking about? The people that we know, like when they call, they want something. Aren't you glad today that God is not turned off by needy people? God loves needy people. He wants us to come to him and say, I need you. I am broken. I don't have it all together. I I desperately need for you to provide. We're reminded of this here. Jesus says, God wants you to ask. And when we ask for God to do something for us, for our good, what he says in here is that God will answer our request. Now, the problem is this. Some of you in here aren't even really sure where God is right now. Some of you in here feel like God is a million miles away. And that's why Jesus says what he says next. He says, not only ask and it will be given, verse 7, seek and you will find. That's great news for you this morning. No matter how jacked up you feel, no matter how far from God you think you are, listen, God is not playing hide and seek with any of you. God is not running from you. God is not trying to avoid you. If you will honestly seek God, you will find him. So stop coming in here saying, God feels a million miles away. I'm trying to find him. I can't find him. No, this passage says, if you will honestly seek God, you will 
find him. But maybe some of you say, well, man, I, I, see, I try to seek God, but I, not only do I feel like God is a million miles away, but I feel like, man, there's a barrier between us. Because of circumstances in my life, because of failed expectations, because of, of sins, I feel like there is closed door after closed door. I mean, when I pray, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. You ever been there? I felt there's something between me and God. And Jesus says, good news. God doesn't want to keep you out in the cold. God has not abandoned you. Knock, he says, and the door will be open. God wants to let you into his life today, no matter where you've come from or what you've done. He wants you in his life. He wants to open up the door to you. And Jesus says, this is Jesus' words, not mine, he will shower you with good gifts. He will give you what you need. Notice how absolute this promise is. I mean, are you kidding me? Verse 7, ask and it will be given. Notice he doesn't say, if you're good, ask and then it will be given. This isn't a Santa Claus theology. Notice he doesn't say in here, ask. And if you ask just right, there's a good probability God will answer. No, he says, ask and what? Ask and it will be given to you. Now, some of you, you hear that this morning and you say, this passage is bogus. Like, there's got to be something that we're missing here. Because, Jared, I'll be honest, like, like I've prayed for healing and have seen nothing. I've prayed for the promotion and never got it. I've I've prayed for peace. I've prayed for my marriage and I've seen nothing come to fruition. So, Jesus, you can say whatever you want, but I don't believe it. I mean, Jesus, what do you have to say about the fact that I've asked so many times about things and I have not seen answers to my prayers? And I would just say this. First off, and this part isn't in the passage, this is just something I've experienced in my own reality, and I believe the scripture would teach this, but sometimes whenever we ask for God to give us something, he's going to give it, it's just not going to be in our timing. I mean, my parents tell me that they prayed for my salvation before I was even born. You know when I became a Christian? When I was 20. 20 years after they began to ask God to save me, he saves me. So sometimes God is going to answer your your prayers. It's just going to be in a later time, not in your time. But sometimes, listen to this real carefully. Sometimes you are going to ask God to do something for you, and he is not going to do it. You say, "Well, well, wait a minute. This says in here, ask, and it will be given. Yeah, but Jesus goes on, and what does he point to the reality of? He points to the reality of this God is a good father who only gives what to his children? Good gifts. There are some times you will ask God to do something and he's not going to do it. And here's why. Listen, because there are times we don't know what we're asking. What we think is good actually is not good. And just think about this in your life. Think about times that you've prayed prayers that now, if you can just be honest, you look back and you say, man, I'm really glad that God did not answer that prayer. I prayed when I was 17 years old that God would let me marry my high school sweetheart. 
who is still a non-Christian. If God would have granted that prayer, like, well, you asked, so, and you did it in Jesus' name, so here you go. Like, Fellowship Bible Church wouldn't be here. Like, trust me. Right? So if you've ever been blessed by this or anybody in the city has been blessed by Fellowship Bible Church, like it would not have happened if God would have given the 17-year-old Jared what I was absolutely convinced that I needed. Right? And I could share all sorts of examples, and I think you could too if you, if you really begin to think about it. There are times that we ask and we think that what we want is good, but God says it's not good, therefore I'm not giving it to you. Which is why today, listen, we should not only celebrate answered prayers, we should also celebrate unanswered prayers. Because unanswered prayers are not God's way of punishing you, they're his way of protecting you. Jesus has taken your punishment. Stop believing that God has not answered your prayer because you haven't figured something out yet and he's trying to punish you for your sins. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. None. So when God does not answer the prayers of his children, it's not because he's trying to get back at you for something. He's trying to protect you. And and, and I mean, Tim Keller, I I love what he he says here. Tim Keller's a pastor in New York. but Pretty much you can just read anything he puts out. Um, I love this quote about prayer. He says, listen to this. If you and I knew everything God knows, we would answer our prayers the exact same way he did. Let me read that again. If you and I knew everything that God knows, we would answer our prayers the exact same way that God answers our prayers. What Keller is saying is that if we could see the whole picture like God does, if we could see the present world, all of it, and we could see even the future and how the decisions that are going to be made will affect millions down the lines over time, if we knew what God knew without a question, Keller says we would answer our prayers the exact same way that God does. And listen to me, until you begin to believe that, your prayer life is going to be incredibly weak and feeble. Here's a really simple yet profound truth for you today. There is one God, and you are not Him. God knows way more than you do. Well, I've been here for 55 years. Okay, well, God's eternal. (laughs) Notice I looked this way when I said that. God is eternal. God is higher than we are. He is wiser than we are. He is bigger than we are. He sees the whole picture. Guys, when he doesn't answer your prayers, he's not trying to harm you. He's trying to help you. My daughter asked me probably a thousand times a day for cookies. <laughs> or cup. Yeah, you're in my missional community. Like if you're in our missional community, you know this. Like she has a major sweet tooth, and, and the walkers don't help it. Like They come with candy in their pockets, you know? And, 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 and here's the deal. She asks me all the time, and do you think I always give her cookies or sweets? No. Now, is this because I can't afford a package of Chip Ahoy cookies? No. Is it because I don't want to just walk to my pantry and grab something sweet for her because I'm lazy? No. Is it because I don't love her? No. The reason I don't always give my daughter the cookie she wants is because I don't want her to just be filled with junk all the time. I want her to have nutrition. I want her to grow and be healthy. Now, whenever I tell Nora no, do you think she responds by saying, Oh, splendid, Father. Like, thank you for caring for my body. Like, you're amazing. No, like, she's frustrated. She's angry because I didn't give her what she really believed with her heart of hearts that she needed. 
Why? Because she's so much more immature than I am. She doesn't see the whole picture. She, she doesn't understand all of life the way I, as a 31-year-old man, understands life. My son's the same way. Like when I'm doing dishes at our house, and, and, and Wyatt, he wants to get in there and do dishes too. And the other day, I literally saw he, that, that cat was walking around with a butcher knife in his hand, like walking around like kamikaze style with his thing. And I run towards him real quick, and I'm not like trying to pry. Like he's got like a death grip on the thing. I'm like trying to pry it off of him. And he just goes crazy. Like, wah, 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 like throws himself on the floor. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're a fool. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, like you're going to slice your fingers off or worse, you know. But he is convinced, like, I need, I need this butcher knife right here and right now. All right? And we laugh at that. But don't you think a thousand years from now we're going to look back and laugh? at all the stuff that we were convinced we need right here, right now. And God was just saying, look, look, what would I happen if I'd get out here? Like, oh, yeah, thank you for not giving that to me. That's what the real Jesus wants us to see this morning. Like, we have a God who is a perfect father. And listen, he is even more committed to our good than we're committed to our own children's good. Isn't that amazing to think about? When we go to God and we ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. And here's the really good news. Listen to this. Listen to this. Also, if you go to God and you ask for a serpent because you don't know what you're asking, guess what? He's such a good dad, he still won't give you the serpent. Isn't that incredible to know that this is our God? He is a good dad who says, I want to do whatever I can for your good and my glory. And what do we have to do to receive the blessing? What do we have to do? What does he say? Verse 7. Ask. Isn't that amazing? Some of you have grown up in religions that say, no, you need to jump through these hoops and you need to walk just this way and you need to dress just like that and you need to raise your hands like this and you need to read your Bible every single day and never miss. You need to make sure you perform in all of these ways and then maybe God will answer your prayers. Guys, if God gives you something because you did something good first, it's not a gift anymore. That's a reward. That's a merit system. We're talking about gifts here, things we don't deserve, His grace being poured out on us. All we have to do is ask, and God will give us good gifts. So here's my question this morning, what I've wrestled with all week. Why are we not asking more? Why are you not asking more of the God who is infinite, eternal, who, who has all things, everything belongs to Him, and He sees the whole picture, and He says, I'm here for your good. Why are we not asking more? I began to think this past week about just all the answered prayers in my life, and that's a really healthy exercise, by the way, if you're a Christian, to begin to just walk through and think about all the times God has answered prayers. And I, I, I could share a whole bunch. I'm going to share just a couple. I remember in 2007, believing that God is calling me to Louisville, Kentucky to go to seminary, so I can get my master's in theology. And so, But I knew that I am broke. I had like $50 in my checking account. My parents couldn't afford to send me. And so I just remember praying, like, God, if you really want me to go and get some theological education, you're going to have to provide the way. And I want you to know, within three months, here's what happened. First off, out of about 1,500 applicants, I received the presidential scholarship, which means half my tuition was paid. I never even made the honor roll in high school. <laughs> I also, there was a man in the church that I was on a minister at that, that passed away. And when he passed away, he so believed in the ministry that God had for me that he left me $2,500. I preached his funeral, and at the funeral, there's a family that came to it from Little Rock, and they came up after it was over and said, we don't know why, but we just believe God's calling us to give you $250 a month through your seminary career to pay for groceries. On top of all of that, 
for whatever reason, I, I'm a college pastor. I was a full-time college pastor. I had no desire to ever do anything other than that. But, but in, in the middle of the summer, I thought, you know what? I have this weird desire to be a lifeguard. Like, not actually be a lifeguard, but get the lifeguard certification. That'd just be kind of a cool deal. So I began this lifeguard certification two days before I moved to Louisville. I'm, I'm certified as a lifeguard. I get to campus. I begin to search for job openings. The very first job opening there is, what do you think it was? A lifeguard. I go and apply. They give me the job, and I begin to work at the Olympic pool there in Louisville the day I arrive at Louisville. That's unbelievable. Does God answer prayers? Absolutely. Another one is um, when we found out we were pregnant with our second son, Wyatt, um, our second child, um, uh, we went to the doctor, and they, you know, we're, we're, uh, they, they, did, they did the ultrasound deal, and um, she calls in the doctor, and she says, we, we got a problem. She says, your son is not getting amniotic fluid, which I'm not trying to like, geek out on you or anything like that. But basically, like, it's what a baby needs to grow and mature. And they said, if, if he doesn't get amniotic fluid, he's going to probably be born at about 21 weeks. He's not going to be fully developed. It's going to be a very high-risk pregnancy. And so they said, we need to send you to a specialist in Little Rock and figure out what to do from there. And so we just begin to pray the week leading up to that, that visit with a specialist that God would, would provide Wyatt with the amniotic fluid that he needed to grow and mature, that God would just bring about a miracle. We show up there in Little Rock, and the doctor scratches his head, and he goes, I'm looking at the, the ultrasound from Jonesboro, and I'm looking here, and I'm telling you, this baby is surrounded with amniotic fluid. He has everything he needs. This is going to be a healthy pregnancy. All right? Uh, another a recent example of just talking about mission and praying for mission is me and Matt Jackson, uh, we work out, and I use that term loosely, on uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I begin to say, hey, man, let's pray for divine appointments. Right? Hey, let's pray together for divine appointments that God will help us to, to build a relationship with someone there at the, the gym that, that doesn't know Jesus. And what do you think God has done? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we work out with a guy there that doesn't know Jesus, that is far from God. And I'm praying now that God will save this guy. Why do I share that with you? Look, does God answer yes or no verbally? All right, you can answer this. Yes or no, does God answer my prayers because Jared Pickney is a prayer warrior? No. Does he answer my prayers because I'm a pastor and somehow I have a special relationship with God that you can't have? No. The reason God answers my prayers is because Jesus knows what he's talking about. Our God is a good dad who says, when you come to me and you ask, I will give you good gifts. I'll give you good gifts. Do you believe that this morning? If this is true, and I'm about to say some stuff, and I just want you to know something. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching for you. I'm not, what I'm about to say, I really believe if you were the pastor of this church, you would say the exact same thing out of love to the people sitting here today. Um, if this is true, that Jesus says that, that God really will answer our requests as long as they are good for us and glorifying to him, the greatest way that you can serve this church is to pray for this church. And the greatest thing we can do together is pray. If this is true. More so than doing missional community activities, more so than serving a nursery, more so than playing in a praise band, the greatest thing that we can do together is pray. Once a month, we provide a corporate prayer meeting. It's an hour and a half out of our month. It's the same, it's the last Wednesday of every month, and we do it every single month, just an hour and a half, and we call for people to come together and pray. 
And some of you, like, you've never been a part of corporate prayer. You don't understand the importance of it. You look and you say, well, I pray by myself, and I pray for the church when I'm in my little prayer closet and that sort of thing, so shouldn't that be enough? Yeah, I know that Jesus said, whenever he taught us to pray, our Father, pray our Father, it's a corporate thing. He, he expected us to pray together. I know the early church always prayed together, but do I really have to pray together in, in the year 2014? Can I just do it by myself? I mean, after all, I am an American, right? Individual prayer is very important. But individual prayer is all about me. When I pray, most of the time, unless I put it on my calendar to pray for the church, which I do, I pray for our leaders, I pray for you, but if I don't put it on there, my natural prayers are about me and my biological family. But corporate prayer causes me to begin to focus on everyone else's needs. Individual prayer, here's what it does. It aligns my heart with God. Corporate prayer aligns my heart not only with God, but with each of you that are there around the vision that God has given us. Individual prayer is me saying, God, I need you. Corporate prayer is saying, God, we all need you. We are a church who desperately needs you. If you're not in this, we're in trouble. Like, we need you. And... and you know, I, again, I don't want to be—I don't want to be harsh for the sake of being harsh. I'm just trying to teach you what I think I believe in Scripture. Like, guys, I think it is a sad reality that we have probably over 120 committed adults, and after a year of having a prayer meeting, we have on average 15 to 20 people at a prayer meeting. And I know some people work. I know life is busy. Um. I know that not always both spouse, you know, the, the husband and wife can go because someone needs to watch kids. I get all of that. But I would just say, if you're going to cut anything out of your life, please don't cut prayer. I would rather you not go on mission that week with your missional community than you cut out prayer. That's how important this is. Because here's the reality. I think if we don't pray, I think the enemy is tickled to death by that. I think he absolutely is. I think what the enemy wants to do in Fellowship Bible Church is busy us to death with a bunch of good stuff that we do all in our own power because in the end it's going to fail. No lives are going to be changed. Samuel Chadwick, I, I love this quote, and I've shared it before with you. He says this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. <clears throat> Listen to this. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, our prayerless work, and our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom but he trembles when we pray. We can feed thousands of people, but apart from the power of God, people will die with full bellies but empty souls. We can give away shirts and jeans and jackets, but apart from the power of God, no one will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We can throw skate competitions. We can coach teams, we can give away sporting equipment, but if God is not in what we are doing, we'll never equip anybody with anything that matters in eternity. We can do all sorts of good stuff, but guys, I'm telling you right now, if God is not in what we are doing, we are wasting our time. And as a pastor of this church who planted this church, I'm telling you, like, I didn't plant this church for us to play games. Like, I'm not doing this because I want to mark some religious box off. And I know that you're not either. I know you guys. Like, I know that's not your desire. That's why I love this church. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to experience God's power. I don't want to die knowing 
that I never saw God move mightily on my behalf. And what's so amazing about this passage is Jesus reminds us that if we pray, we will experience God's presence. We will experience God's power. He will transform lives for His glory. But if we do not pray, what does He promise us? Nothing. He doesn't promise to restore your marriage. He doesn't promise to to free people from addictions. He doesn't promise to raise up one missional community leader per thousand people so that we can see the real Jesus being made known. He doesn't promise to go before our church planners and and, and, and send his spirit so that whenever they go and plant the gospel, it just blows up to where people are being saved and disciples are being made. He doesn't promise us any of that if we do not go to him and simply ask. So why would we not ask? It doesn't matter what I preach. It doesn't matter who leads worship. It doesn't matter what we believe in our heads. It doesn't matter what we do in the community, the future of this church, and the impact that we make on the nations will 100% depend upon our times of prayer. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. Prayer, Jesus says right here, changes things. And you know what the greatest thing about the real Jesus is? Is he gives us access to the God who makes prayer so powerful. He gives us access to him. We take this so for granted. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to communicate with God, you know how you would have to do it? You would have to have a priest go for you. Praise God now, Jesus is your high priest so that you can approach God with confidence and you can ask him and know that he will respond for your good. So may we then be an asking people. May we approach the Father with great confidence. May we stand in need of Him together. May we believe that no matter how bold or how specific or how audacious our requests are, that God is a good Father who stands ready to bless you. Some of you this morning, maybe you come in here and you do not have a personal relationship with God. You don't enjoy Him. You don't experience Him. The greatest gift you can ever receive from God, you want to know what it is? The greatest gift you can receive from God is God. The giver is always better than the gifts. Always. And what you need to do this morning is you need to come here and say, I don't have to work my way to God. I don't have to try to be better. I don't have to try to understand everything. What Jesus says you need to do is you just need to go to God this morning in your heart and you need to say, Father, forgive me. Will you please forgive me? Not because I'm impressive, but because Jesus is impressive on my behalf. Will you forgive me? Save me. Bring me into a relationship with you and trust that when you do that, when you just ask, even if you don't feel like you deserve it, if you just ask, ask. This morning, you can do it. Like Maybe some of you have come here far from God, like you were heading towards an eternity in hell, and all that has to happen to change that, all that has to happen for you to be freed from bondage, to be forgiven of your sins, and brought into a relationship with God is ask. That's it. It's ask. And so I pray that if you're here this morning and you do not know Him personally, that you will ask. And if you give your life to God, if you surrender to Him, I pray that you will talk with someone that you came with, or you will come and talk to me or one of the pastors, we'd love to pray with you, encourage you, show you where to go in your journey. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me. Our band's going to come forward. And those helping with communion are going to come forward. And let's just take some time and let's pray.
Let's pray. Father, there are people here today who believe this message with their heads, but they do not believe it in their hearts. They are not convinced that you are a good, loving God who promises to bless, who promises to give his children good gifts. Would you, Holy Spirit, right now be gracious to us? Would you increase our faith? We know that faith is a gift from you, so would you give us that gift? I'm asking for faith right now, not just for me, but for my brothers and sisters who are here today, for those who do not know you, grant them faith. Help them to see you as you really are. And I pray for the person that is here this morning that maybe is walking without hope, who is placing their trust and faith in the things of the world. I pray that right now that you will show them their depravity, that you will reveal to them what is going on in their heart, and that you will show them that they are more loved than they could ever imagine. That you will extend mercy and grace to them, and that this will be the day of salvation, where they taste forgiveness and freedom for the very first time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.